from the Rose City in beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon, home of bikes, books, bridges, beards, food carts, startups, and indie coffee. Grab your dog, snatch your hammer and beer, leave your umbrella at home. Welcome to the Tiny House Podcast. It's the Tiny House Podcast. I'm Perry. I'm MJ. And this is Mark. I shouldn't have been so loud, huh? I sound like Mark today. I keep going back back and forth. Rick likes it when you're quieter. (laughs) I know. Because he has to really fiddle around with the sounds on there. Sorry, Rick. I'm just so excited about that last show we had. Wasn't that fun? It was a lot of fun. That was fun. Yeah. Uh, So, what's going on? It's been a long time since we've done a show, actually. (laughs) (laughs) That's very funny. Let me see what's going on. I am 90% done with the perch. Yay. Nice. We're doing electrical, got the plumbing hooked up, got the gas lines hooked up. I'm, yeah, I'm there. I'm like painting flooring and some countertops and move furniture in. And of course, I say 90%, but we'll probably be talking like a month from now. And you'd be like, <laughs> still at 90%. Did you get that, you get that bitch done yet? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the last mile problem. Exactly. Right? The exactly. last 10%. Exactly. Yeah, that's, yeah. Yeah, but, yeah. Like, for instance, um, I was just multitasking with um, someone that's working on my house, right? So I bought a fan yesterday, <clears> and I talked to the guy. Here's, here's the, one of the foibles of working on houses in general. <laughs> so I put a ceiling fan in the bedroom, and uh, I don't want the light kit on it. I just want mm. the ceiling fan. I, w- I really just want it for the air circulation, not necessarily. And also because it's a single-story tiny as well. So the ceiling it's is your only— head. Yeah, the ceiling yeah. is only nine and a half right. feet tall. Right. Still taller than a conventional ceiling, but it just kind of felt like it would be weird. So I talked to the guy at Home Depot. I n- won't name names. But anyways, I said, hey, <laughs> I, is, can I install this without the light kit? And because every single one of your fans have light kits. Can I install it without the light kit? He said, absolutely. No problem at all. There's actually a plate that you put on, yeah. on the bottom of it. You don't put the light kit in. Yeah. You put the plate on the bottom so it's a nice trim piece. It looks great. So the gentleman that I have working on my house for a few days here, kind of helping me get past this last 10, last 10%, right? He's installing the fan this morning. He sends me a text and he goes, oh, by the way, you can't install the fan without the light kit. <laughs> <laughs> ah, so he installed it with the light kit. And then I guess we'll see what kind of insurance nightmares we create. Um, as a result of having put spinning blades um, <laughs> on top your, above your bed, yeah. above my bed, my Bryce, rental bed. No, Bryce. Sorry, Bryce. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Bryce well, that, not actually, that's the weird thing about the, the bedroom, too. So it's all bed. You can't stand mm. in the room anyway. Right. Um, the right. whole room is bed. But if you stand on the bed, You're, I have no doubt yeah. <laughs> that you would probably bonk yeah. your head on the fan, no matter how tall you are. Yeah. And it's a rental, so I have to be even more, pay more, much, much more closer attention to accidents and foibles and issues mm. and stuff. So I've, I'm trying to create the space that's much easier to live in. So. Coffee in cup is extremely hot. Yes, yes exactly. <laughs> Don't spill it on your groin. Yes. I was that's- talking to someone earlier about actually using the composting toilet in my rental as well, which is a new thing, but mm-hmm. I've, I felt about being very authentic, <clears throat> about having a rental that has a a composting toilet in it and I have a laminated sheet. I have a laminated instruction sheet. Um, the last few people that have used it, they got about three quarters of the way through the laminated sheet and then you could tell that they're just like blah, 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 whatever, right? So it didn't follow the last 
three little questions. So going to have to tweak that a little bit. I'm thinking about actually publishing a uh, sort of um, illustrated kind of Ikea-esque <laughs> illustrated like comic book right. <laughs> kind of a thing because also my guests won't all be English speakers. Well, I wonder if you could do a video. For Airbnb, for people checking in? Yeah, just no, mm. not for the check-in, but for how to use the toilet. Well, there's a thing. I'm thinking, though, that... <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Ooh, didn't need that. <laughs> well, I'm thinking that I should maybe have people sign off on the, like, before they can register for the room. They have to sign off or they click this box or whatever, or whatever that says that mm-hmm. they have gone through this entire instruction mm-hmm. manual. And they know... This is not a flush toilet. This is a unique, tiny house, yeah. compostable experience. We need them to embrace the, the whole experience. Also, here's a question for you guys. So I will, I'm going to mandate what kind of shampoo they use, right? Because they have to use sulfate-free shampoo. So I'm providing all the shampoos, Are all the soap. Are you going to do that? That's what I'm wondering. Well, of course, I'll have it in the bathroom. But, but they're going to bring I, their own. I don't know. Can I tell them not to? You can tell them. Yeah, I mean, you don't, it's not like you want 50 signs around. Right, exactly. You know? So, yeah. would you, so how would you think if you went to check into an Airbnb room or online, right? And then it says, please be advised, you need to use the soaps, the shampoos. You can do it. I mean, I, I don't think that's a problem for the customer, but the customer may not follow that direction. That's just it. You need to yeah. make it in a way that, you know, fully on threatens. Or something. I mean, how are you, even if you, if you them, use how other you shampoo, it will burn your feet with the way we built <laughs> Yeah, or something like that. Well, that's how they do for smokers, right? It's like if you smoke in here, it's going to be a $250 fine yeah. so we can clean the place. Yeah. Right. Well, it's just, again, it's more so the fact that it has to do with responsible, you know, disposal of gray water. Yeah. And yeah. if everybody brings bleach and high sulfate, you know, it's going to damage the soil. I mean, mm-hmm. that's just all there is to it. So I don't think they're going to bring bleach. But they would bring non... That just doesn't make sense. No. I know. They, I, just, gonna, I was being obviously oh, overly dramatic. But, oh, okay. but again... And, but, <laughs> but I just point, brought my Clorox on my travel trip. Exactly. <laughs> Never but know it, when I need my whites really white. I know. Bleach your asshole every time. But again, the, that's the last 10%, right? right. When you're building yep. a rental, yep. it's right. like, okay, so right. it's, it's almost done. The curtains are being sewn. I got to pick out, you know, like this last 10%. Now I got to like, do it and sign up on Airbnb yeah. and like do all these little. So I'm going to invite friends over for probably the first few weeks to try it out and train the <laughs> housekeepers. Anybody comes running out of the house on fire. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, with all these, these uh, safety considerations, I'm wondering if you're thinking about insurance. Oh, I have been. Well, Actually, you can insure you're at the last 10%. So you're getting close. That's true. Right. Yeah, I bet. I don't know the answer to that though. Well, maybe our guest will have the answer. Was that on purpose? <laughs> good, good job there, Michelle. Um, thank you. Thank you. I'm, I'm bowing in, this, in the studio for those of you that can't see me. That's a good segue because our guest today <clears throat> is uh, Martin Burlingame, and I think he's with Strategic Insurance Agency. Is that right, Martin? It is. It sounds like such a generic name for a company. <laughs> Strategic Insurance Agency. Um, I, I know. It's brutal. Uh, <laughs> Quite often it goes by Martin Brewing Game Insurance Agency, Inc., but that sounds oh. pompous. <laughs> <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> I like to call my rentals Michelle, most famous, awesome tiny house rental of all time, dot Inc. <laughs> lover of bleach. Lover of bleach. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag lover uh, of bleach. Someone's been paying attention to the show. At least we have one audience member. So, Martin, um, wow, we've actually, I don't think we've ever had someone on the show talking about insurance for tiny houses, have we? No, no. So, um, Martin, are you 
I presume that you are a bona fide, like just a general kind of insurance company, correct? You do insurance for the everyday things that most companies do, right? Yeah, we we run two different uh, bank uh, companies and divisions. The first is your bona fide everyday insurance, cars and homes and small businesses. And then the other is a program administration division that specializes in creating niche product insurance. Uh, and homes fit in the niche product world. Got it. So, so uh, how did you, is it just yourself or is there more than one person in there? We have 24 employees. Okay. Uh, they are not stacked in the office right now. <laughs> it's a <big> podcast. <laughs> so how, how did you come, how did your company come to wanting to insure tiny houses? Well, Darren Zaruba is a friend. He twisted and, his arm. Uh, <laughs> he drug him kicking and screaming to the jamboree and said, <laughs> yeah, come on, did. you got to check this thing me. out. <laughs> yeah, check it out. You have to come to this thing. And so I was standing at the first jamboree two years ago and he goes, now that we've kicked you and brought you here, I need insurance for all these items. Were you really resistant to coming? No, not at all. Oh. I mean, it was, it was, I mean, you know, it, it's the entire thing of inertia, right? Once the inertia is overcome, yeah. it was a great time. Yeah. But, you know, Insurance people like to sit, either be on a golf course or sit in a, in a chair and not move. <laughs> those two things. So, so, okay. So tell us about the, I mean, just tell us what your offer is. What are you offering folk? So we, the biggest issue that's been facing the tiny home movement is insurance companies don't know what to do with us. Um, you know, us. is it a home? I know. It's, he's saying us He's now. saying us. He's a part he's of the in family. Our club. <laughs> hey, we said we were part of a group and a movement. I got to be part of the us here. <laughs> exactly. Um, so your, your problem is, is it a house? Is it a trailer? Is it a rental? Is it a primary? I mean, there's just a, and insurance companies by definition are not mo- mobile, nimble, or adaptable in any kind of a quick uh, methodology. That's just the way they function. So what we did is we spent a year building a program out with United National Insurance Company in seven states, and then we've expanded it out to the continental 48. I say 48 states, and then I get an email saying, is Texas included? Is Wisconsin included? <laughs> I mean, typically, when you say 48 states, you'd think anywhere except Hawaii and yeah, Alaska. Right, right. Yeah, continuous. Yeah. Uh, and we could potentially add Hawaii and Alaska, but not right now. Why? So, oh, sorry, on. go ahead. Go ahead. No, after you. Oh, no, go ahead. You were going to continue the story. I thought you had stopped. Go ahead. No, well, I mean, it, it, that's a pregnant pause. Okay. <laughs> All right. So we'll well, okay, great. So um, uh, are there other people that are offering insurance to tiny houses or is it just you guys? Well, we because we're a program administrator, a lot of the people who have market share or visibility in the marketplace are actually using our product as well. Oh, I see. So right. So, yeah. so there are plenty of agents out there who have websites who funnel most of their business to us as well. Oh, got it. So going back to your opening statement, very well done. <clears throat> so what are we? Are we a mobile home? Are we an RV? Are we a single wide? Are vary? we? Yeah. yeah like how, how did you go about, um, advocating um, and defining what they are because there are a lot of people in the tiny house movement that don't even know what they are. We at a recent festival that was a big part of the discussion. Correct. So what we did is we, um, 
went to London. So the new program is mostly on London paper. So Lloyd's of London. Um, they have the oldest insurance company and have a capacity and an ability to change things. And we still have United National. So those two products have defined a tiny home as a dwelling, which means a house. Mm. So there are two major problems with a house. The first is nobody expects the house to move, mm-hmm. right? Because if it burns to the ground, the inspector goes to 25X and looks at and says, okay, where's the house that's supposed to be here that's caught on fire? And then the second thing is nobody expects the tiny house or your actually main house to be stolen. Right? <laughs> that's true. I mean, nobody <laughs> jacks up your house off its foundation, puts it on a double wide trailer and takes it away. <laughs> a whole new a whole new way of thinking, yeah. Jack the House. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Well, I mean, it, I mean, there are house movers, but it's not I mean, it's not like they go down the freeway at 90 miles an hour <laughs> trying to get away from your your home address with your frame house on, on, on a trailer. So, what we did is we created a homeowner policy and then we in the insurance world it's called manuscripted, which means we customized uh, insurance forms to add to the policy to allow multiple things. The first is we allow the house to move either on a yearly basis so they don't have to report or on a one-time basis for the people who are in Minnesota and are going down to the Jamboree for the event and only want to go there and they're going to spend the next six months in Texas. Um, we also manuscripted a form to cover theft of the tiny house for the people who are parking it in remote areas and are worried about it actually getting stolen. Have you had a tiny house get stolen? Has no. Any, no, okay. No, not in his policy, well, but, no, but just, they have. Oh, yeah, but yeah. they have been. Oh, they have. Oh, yeah. Tell, yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Excuse about, us for a second, Martin. We're going to go down this tangent for a minute because this is really curious. Yeah, it's happened about a half dozen times. Mm. How is that happening? Don't yeah. they? So a few times, he was talking about remote areas. So yeah. a few times... People, they have a recreational lot or they have mm. three or four acres on top of a mountain. They only go up there on the weekends. Uh, they park their tiny house and then they go up there the following weekend and it's gone. Wow. Um, so in one, um, in every single case that I've heard about, at least a bit, about a half dozen, um, three of them were in remote locations. They were all stolen. You know, they were not, however, they didn't... <laughs> This always, of course, leads to things like wheel locks and hitch locks and low jack, low jack, low jack yeah. and chaining it to the tree and yeah, everything yeah. else. But, um, <laughs> but anyway, so all the cases that I've heard about, half of them, about three or three of them, were in remote locations. The other three were actually that I know of were actually stolen out of a parking lot. Um, one of them was a tiny house that was actually a storefront, like kind of a pop up right. store, mm-hmm. boutique store. Mm-hmm. Um, the other two were kind of mobile. Um, retail shops, kind of a similar. Anyways, they hit all. But as far as I know, all of them were recovered. That was my next question. Yes, all of them were recovered, the ones that I have heard about. And only one of them was actually, even after it was recovered, the owners were just like, nope, that's it. Sorry, done. It's now for sale. Really? Um, yeah. But the other ones were like, yeah, that sucks, but we're all well, good. It's also a percentage of people who misplace their tiny homes after consuming vast amounts of alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> How does that sure happen? No, no way. How does that happen? <laughs> so, I mean, those this are one not, I have like, not heard. Stolen, they're just missed. They're, they're lost. <laughs> Who did I park that thing? <laughs> this no, I have not heard. Yeah, we have a tracker that comes with, if you get the, the trip endorsement or the theft endorsement, you get a tracker 
and it comes with a web application so you can track your tiny home. That's good. Uh, we have the ability to track it as well um, for purposes to, if you call us to find out where your tiny home is. And what it does is um, it can warn you if your tiny house is moving. So if you're at dinner, uh, <laughs> hanging out, and all of a sudden you get notifications if tiny house is on the road. <laughs> that I know that's funny as it hell, funny but, as hell. but it's just, that's funny. Well, it's interesting. You would think when I, as Do I consider. Do we well, need that? Or can't we just chip them like dogs? Well, no, when I was considering, and I still am considering having a tiny house built for my other company. I was thinking, how do you secure it? And and those little boots that you can put on the wheel is one thing. And I was wondering if there's another way that you can just lock up the axle or something so it can't be pulled. Well, you got people taking the hitches off. So a bunch oh, yeah. of have uh, the ability to take the trailer hitch off. Um, so you'd have to bring a trailer hitch with you if you're going to steal it. Mm-hmm. Most people making these thefts are not, uh, they're not in the tiny home uh, underground. Theft uh, <laughs> ring. <laughs> taking it away i mean usually they're spur of the moment mm-hmm. uh, right looking for monetary reasons and they're not thinking it through crime of, opportunity. Yeah, crime of opportunity and i think what they're not thinking through is the fact that seriously it's a big blue house going mm. down the and road who's, who's not gonna see that like tiny house chop shop i'm <laughs> well, saying through social media um through social media that's how you know we've we quote unquote have found the ones oh, that really? were stolen was Not all through police. social media. Oh, interesting. No, yeah. 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 And were they well, all within it's a big blue 50 house miles? And you report it missing from hmm. Portland, Oregon. I mean, it, it's not uncommon that people are going to see a big blue house moving down the road. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Probably take a getting, picture of it and put it on Twitter. Exactly. You know? yeah. We're, we're going to start getting Amber alerts for tiny yeah. houses moving down the freeway. Just don't report a child in the house. Exactly. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there was one where somebody took it and they moved it to their lot, which was like 250 yards away. Oh, wow. <laughs> I mean, what are you thinking? I mean, that I'm not going to notice my house is gone. <laughs> I'm the backyard and the house is there. Down the road. So speaking of going down the road illegally or otherwise, um, one of the reasons why I have hired a tow truck company to tow my tiny house every time that I've moved it uh, was because of the fact that I didn't want to have to deal oh, with yeah. any insurance possibilities while it's moving. Um, as I understand it, uh, or it, my policy, let me rephrase, my policy at the time, uh, that's, there's my caveat, um, did not cover it. Uh, obviously, it's a homeowner's insurance. It's not going to cover it while it goes down the road. So um, how, do, how does your policy, or do I still have to get a special insurance policy or a writer or a different company to insure it while I'm moving it? No. Um, so the trip endorsement basically adds comprehensive and collision to the <laughs> tiny home while it's moving. So it's a car when it's moving and a home kind of when you're not. Trip Correct. endorsement as, in add a, as an adder to your insurance? Correct. We Policy. have a trip endorsement and a theft endorsement. So the trip endorsement adds on and comes with a tracker because the insurance companies are evaluating how often these homes actually move. To, to see if they should reduce the price or increase the price. Mm. You don't know how insurance companies work, so reduce the price is never really an option. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it could. I mean, technically, there's a small percentage. But you <laughs> cover the house while it's moving. The only thing you have to do is you have to register your trailer, right? Because you need plates. Right, right, yeah. of course. And that's, yeah. and that's just the state. And you get your trailer, and uh, off you go, and we put the trip endorsement on. 
And we have two versions. We have the one for people moving a, a decent amount. And then we have a one time. So they just call in and they say, we're going from uh, Colorado Springs, Colorado, where we bought it at whatever company's located in Colorado Springs. And we're moving it to uh, somewhere in Texas or to somewhere else. And we're leaving tomorrow and we'll be there in a week. Got it. Mm, and okay. we just say, okay, you have coverage from tomorrow for a week and it costs money, pay us and off you go. Got it. Mm. So again, going back a couple of years when I first started <clears throat> building my tiny house, I took a thousand pictures. In fact, I think it's like 1900 pictures. And part of the reason why I did that, of course, was social media. Part of the reason why I did that was because I was, because I'm a DIY builder. Uh, I wanted to make sure that when I went to either insure it or maybe if I'm if I ever have the opportunity to certify it in some way, shape, or form, that I would have really, really great documentation. So right. I contacted an agent, a local agent um, at the time. And at that time, again, this couple of years ago, he said, well, you have to actually pay a licensed electrician to come out and certify that the electrical has been done correctly. Well, at that point, I had a ton of pictures, but everything was all closed up in the walls and so forth. So um, what if I'm, is there a difference between ensuring a DIY build versus a, 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 mm. a, a factory built? And I'm not talking necessarily about RVIA certified. I'm talking about, you know, any, any type. So is there a difference between DIY and factory built from an insurance perspective? And the other question is what hoops, special hoops, documentation, if any, does a DIY builder have to go through to be insurable? Okay, do you want the long or the short answer? long we still got what 40 minutes left of this it's interview the funniest right? answer. well the short <laughs> yeah. answer is no none um the long answer is the initial program we rolled out over a year ago did not cover do-it-yourselfers um so they were testing the water the new program will cover self-built or factory built rvia or non-rvia certified and we don't require any of the certification stickers people have um, mainly because we're not 100% certain that the certifications are coming with all the appropriate backstop, electrician, plumbing, heating inspections. So we have a rate that's built in uh, for do-it-yourself and for uh, factory manufacturers, and it generates a price, and off we go. So you've been doing this now for a year and a half. What types of claims are you seeing? And has that affected, has that affected the, the rates for everybody else? Well, should I, should I go on the record or off the record? Um, you're <laughs> it's being up to you. Yeah. <laughs> We've like, had no claims. That's what I wondered. I figured really? probably not any. Really? Yeah, it's, yeah. Too so, it's too early. It's too early. Mm -hmm. well, I know, but I mean, it's still it's, two it's, years worth of presumably several hundred tiny houses. Yeah. I mean, I we, saw on social media this week, one of them got flipped over in transit. So, right. so hopefully that's not yours. Transit, quite often, these people are hiring uh, towing companies to move them. Yeah, that's the one that happened this week. Correct. So that doesn't affect us. Now, let me take that back. We also insure movers and our loss ratio for movers of tiny homes is horrendous. Yeah. Right. They, they clip corners. Yeah. They mm. clip box. Nice. They... Yeah. they drive it off the cliff, that kind of stuff. It's not their tiny house, so they don't care. It's not. And they're going fast because they're paid for by the job. Yep, exactly. Um, we insure quite a few tiny homes that move a lot. Uh, and so far, everything has been fine. The trip endorsement doesn't cover contents. 
right? So if you don't uh, secure your big screen TV because you've got the 72-inch plasma TV mounted on the wall somehow, uh, somehow. and, you know, you leave it out. Don't, and, and, <laughs> Keyword is somehow. It wouldn't somehow. even fit on my living room wall. Um, that's your issue, but yeah. it covers the tiny home. Interesting. Uh, you know, if you're, if, you're not, if you're leaving all your paintings out on counters and pictures and all that kind of stuff and Pool plates table. and don't stow everything away, you've got an issue. Uh, but right now, it's been pretty clean. We do have a 50-mile wind exclusion from the uh, Atlantic and Gulf, um, mainly because you need to move your tiny home if a hurricane is coming in. Wait a minute, um, wait, wait a minute, Martin. What, is that, what does the word exclusion mean? It, does it mean if, it, if you're in 50 miles an hour and your home gets damages, you're not covered? No, 50-mile radi- uh, distance, not speed. Oh, sorry. Okay. Right. So, so what we're not designed to do, none of the insurance companies want to be writing tiny homes uh and in south florida that are on the on the keys oh i see you, you need to move your house and i know a lot of because i'm on a lot of the social media a lot of people hurricanes strapped everything down and left and the tiny homes seem to have done well but for an initial program to see what the critical mass is we can't just be offering wind because there's just much higher rates for winds uh, coverage down in those areas. Interesting. Nobody this, would write Florida. Uh, nobody would fl- write Florida, Alabama, anywhere on the coast of Texas for tiny homes if you had to do wind in it. So, so there's so there's no insurance available for tiny houses in those areas. No, there's no wind coverage. Oh, okay, got it, got it. Right. I mean, most states you're fine. Most people are not parking their tiny homes on the barrier islands of the Carolinas. Um, Florida becomes problematic right. because it's not that big a state. You're a funny guy for an insurance guy. <laughs> <laughs> it has been an interesting social media season um, after the hurricanes. Yeah, a very very famous a very very famous tiny house called the Tiffany. Um, actually, and uh, Adam Lehman from New Beginnings Tiny Homes. Do you remember that guy mm-hmm. that was got the uh, the the home builder of of the festival at Georgia? We interviewed him, and then oh, he sold yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, he sold it to the young guy. Yeah, the he young built guy that moved thing to the nines. Exactly, mm-hmm. yeah. and they, his name, the house's name is Tiffany, and Tiffany was in Florida uh, when Irma came through. Oh, and he wrote a very interesting blog post because he was like, "Okay, everybody says that when you have a tiny house and a hurricane is coming, you hook it up and you move it." No, <laughs> because he couldn't find anybody to move it. Oh, like yeah. everybody's out of town, and then. <laughs> And then he went to get plywood to, you know, to board it up, board mm-hmm, it up mm-hmm. and he couldn't find, you know, he had to really, you know, search high and low and, you know, mm. promise his firstborn child for a couple of sheets of, you know, plywood for the windows. And then he tried to strap it down and he realized he didn't have D rings yeah, on the trailer. And, yeah. So he hired a welder and then he went to the mobile home store to get the straps and he couldn't get the straps to use the D rings. He just had welded on. Wait a minute. It's a fascinating story. How early did he start doing all that work? It was like four or five days. uh, It's like a week. I mean, like six days ahead of time. Yeah. The problem is that nobody checks that stuff. Right. Um, They're buying a tiny home that's being made in Utah or Colorado. Yeah. and, And the builder, I mean, the trailer made, most people are using trailer made trailers. I mean, you can get them welded to have the D rings on there. As an owner, if you're planning on living somewhere on the coast, you should probably make sure your tiny home has the appropriate straps and D-rings. But nobody thinks about that, right? I mean, you know, because nobody, I mean, there hadn't been a hurricane down in Florida right. since Andrew. So everyone's forgotten. And I'm, now, 
all of a sudden everyone's realizing, hey, wait a minute, the wind is really dangerous. Right. right. And that's the thing is, is the, the, I guess the quote unquote point of my story is not to disparage the efforts that he went through because they were pretty extraordinary. Mm-hmm. And he documented them on the blog, which of course is even more extraordinary because sometimes when we're in a vulnerable situation, the last thing we want to do is tell the whole world about it. But I think it was really, really enlightening. I, th- I guess that was just, that's across the board um, that the, the message that we've been getting about tiny houses in, um, in risky areas, you know, hurricanes and floods and so forth, is that it's been very enlightening um, about what people think <laughs> tiny houses are actually capable of, of withstanding. Well, it seems and, just naturally uh, that they, they wouldn't be able to withstand very much. But, but they what all happened did, with the except for one. Hey, Martin, did you hear of anyone, any of them except for the Harvey house that actually got a lot of damage? No. Okay. I mean, it's, it's been yeah. pretty amazing. Wow. And down in Texas, it's been pretty clean down there as well. Mm. The biggest issue is, I mean, you've got a bunch of perils, which is insurance talk for <laughs> things um, that aren't covered, right? And, and nobody thinks about this stuff until such time as it happens. Mm-hmm. Flood uh, is a typical peril that's not covered. Earthquake is one that's not covered. A wind can or cannot be, depending on where you live. And so nobody pays any attention to that stuff until all of a sudden there's a hurricane and floodwaters rise crazy and then and you can't get flood insurance. Martin, why are why is it the insurance companies don't cover her uh, floods, earthquakes, and wind? Because from an insurance, well, for earthquake, mainly because the amount of cut, well, you would have to add it onto the insurance policy and nobody wants to pay for it uh, in areas where there are no earthquakes and everyone ignores buying it for as long as possible in areas where there are earthquakes. Flood is government driven. So the problem the government is facing is that local politicians, state politicians, uh, people won't comply with what the intent of FEMA was. Uh, so if you live on the Mississippi River and your house floods, originally you would get a check and go somewhere else. <laughs> the issue is the land's been in the family for four, 300 years and you don't want to move. Right. So you build your house again. Well, an insurance company is not going to insure you again. So right. it defaults to the, to the, the federal government. So you buy flood insurance for homes, but insurance companies are very selective of what they're going to write because they're going to charge you what's appropriate. And the federal government can't do that. Interesting. So I've always wondered why or how people who have insurance on their homes in these disaster areas end up rebuilding, how they are are able to rebuild their home. I mean, even here in Oregon and in Washington as well. I mean, we've had some pretty, um, pretty, you know, like when the rivers flood, I don't know if you remember, was it mm. last year, the year before yeah, when they when shut the, down I-5 yeah. because most of Lewis County was underwater, mm-hmm. you know, um, as I understand it, it has to do with what they call the designation of the flood zone. Mm-hmm. So if you're living in a flood zone, you can either pay a lot of money to get the flood insurance or you just can't get it at all. I mean, there's, there's, I think there's, um, Martin, how many different flood zone designations are there? There's seven or eight major flood zones and then there's a bunch of stuff that where you would never buy it Mm. and the problem you run into is so the private insurance world which is what lloyd's is and so on are now building out structures where they'll look at an area and say fema the federal government says this entire area is letter a as example but in a this little county that's all really bad there are five hills 
that'll never flood. So the private companies could come in and say, on these five hills, we'll charge half the price, hmm. but we don't want the rest of it. Interesting. Right? Because yeah. people don't do it. I mean, it, you know, from a perspective of it's cost, right? If you have 17 accidents on your driving record and you try to get a car insurance, they're going to charge you for 17 records. They're not going to charge you an average rate with another 60 drivers who are in your area who have no accidents. Got it. So we've talked about the fact that so far, knock on wood, you've had zero claims of tiny houses, but your claims for actually the tiny house movers is through the roof. Yes. What If you were to categorize, let's say the top three, I know we were sort of joking about the, the reasons, but if you were to sort of... Um, sort of categorize the top three issues and then secondary to that do you how does that affect that mover's uh, reputation for lack of a better term is there a list of somewhere that of the movers that actually wreck every tiny house they move <laughs> no because they go out of business i know okay. dang it so we did a mover um and we will remain anonymous and not use names because I don't want to disparage anyone, but their price was $12,000 a year, which is not unusual for uh, a moving vehicle. I mean, there's a lot of liability on the road. Right, right. Their renewal based on their accidents came in at $96,000. Wow. Right. So they're they're gone. They can't afford it. Right. Right. Um, The biggest issues we're facing. So, Let's look at the program. We've expanded it to cover a bunch of things. The first and foremost, we cover trip endorsements and we cover theft of the tiny home. Theft of the tiny home was a huge thing and people are buying it because they are worried. That's first. Second, we expanded our appetite. So we can do rentals, Airbnbs, Hmm. secondary, primary homes, vacation homes for people. We just expanded it out across the board. Uh, and, and with those, and then we can also do offices. So if you own a tiny home, that's an office, we can actually cover the tiny home while it's moving. Hmm. What is, um, what is, what about theft or vandalism of the tiny house? Not theft of the tiny house, but theft, like someone breaks into your tiny house and takes something. Yes. So we cover theft and that's an additional coverage. Uh, it's part of the policy. You have an option. Uh, I think we've got about 95% pick up theft of contents. And what, and what about if someone spray paints on the side of your tiny home, tiny home, go home bitches. <laughs> uh, it's going to be covered. Vandalism is going to be covered. Okay. You're going to find me first. Uh, assuming, <laughs> assuming they can spell the word. Yeah. <laughs> That's a lot of words to be spray painting. Yes. <laughs> Hashtag go home. Bitches. Hashtag <laughs> tiny home. Go home. <laughs> <laughs> you know, what's funny about vandalism though. You really, it doesn't matter how they spell you still get the point right? you do i mean i haven't seen any i mean it's possible um you know i don't know i mean you know we see people buy liability on their tiny homes uh we offer that so that's you know you've got somebody comes to visit you and slips and falls you food poison them your dog bites them but wouldn't you want that if you're especially if you're having for instance our little preamble to the show today exactly (laughs) wouldn't you want that for a rental you would okay you would do you guys Uh, do you guys come into the tiny house and look at like say for example the tiny house doesn't have a rail on the loft or a rail mm -hmm, on the stairs and the person falls off the side of the stairs because there's no rail do you get in there and investigate like that 
but we don't get in there per se. I mean, that sounds a little bit creepy. I mean, if you're <laughs> up in there. Uh, I mean, I guess I could do it if you want me to. But, um, no, we. I mean, we ask for pictures and we look at them. I mean, most of these tiny homes are. There's just not a lot of room in there. They have scary I mean, ass stairs. Most of these tiny much. homes have scary that shower, ass stairs. you could just absolutely slip and not fall down. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Be held I mean, up. If you're on the composting toilet, I mean, and you're using bleach, you could bleach some nether regions. <laughs> <laughs> and there's an entire school of thought that, that, that agrees with that. So we'll leave it there. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. So really, so... In semi-all seriousness, because this has been actually way far in a conversation that I was expecting. I have Me to admit. too, actually. <laughs> so in semi-seriousness, though, however, um, are you concerned, and you can choose to answer or not, are you at all concerned about the DIY builders that are installing their own electrical and propane lines? Yes. Okay, but we've now no claims so far. What does that mean? Does that mean our DIY builders are being more responsible than we expect them to be? Um, well, or does that mean our, our sample less, size isn't large propane, enough? Right? Huh? We're less and less propane and more on split units. Oh, okay. Right? I mean, that, oh, they're, I they're more efficient yeah. on an air conditioning, heating kind of split unit mm -hmm. that are all mounted. I get concerned about propane, right? I mean, most people store it on the front of their vehicle, and that's all right. I get concerned about people who are putting propane inside their tiny house. Oh, yeah. That's ridiculous. Um, mm -hmm. Well, I've seen you're right. I've seen a lot of tiny houses with mini splits. My um my reason for not doing that, and and for the po people that don't, it's because we're trying to reduce our overall uh flexibility regarding our land host. I've seen a lot of people uh, writing articles saying, "Man, I wish I would have known that a 50 amp, you know, circuit was a bad idea because now they're relegated to RV parks. That's it. Like mm, that's the only mm, place that has the power." Mm. To be able to power, you know, mini splits and washers and dryers mm -hmm. and air conditioning and all electrical, everything. So it's so interesting. So you, from your from your perch, you you <clears throat> think that the minority of tiny houses are actually being heated with propane? No, I'm seeing a lot of mini splits out there. I yeah. really an overall. Isn't the perch the name of your tiny home as well? Yes. Okay. I just I just wondering if you threw that in. And, I did to see if you were paying I, attention. <laughs> <laughs> I just making sure I was there uh, <laughs> so from my perch as opposed to your perch. Uh, right now, there's not enough historical information to, to, to look at it. And one of the issues we have is DIY guys want insurance, but we've got to get the volume of business in so we can build up enough premium with the insurance company that we can absorb claims. Got it. Right. I mean, if you don't do that and there's other options to go out there, but most of the other options involve your home not moving or canceling it when you move it and writing a new policy, which is just ridiculous mm -hmm. or redonkulous for those who write that. <laughs> <laughs> so is, is, the, is the insurance available anywhere in the world or just in the 48 contiguous? I know you said 48 contiguous, but since it's Lloyd's of London, can it be offered in New Zealand or Australia? Technically, yes, but the, we're writing it on a dwelling policy too form which is a u.s based form ah. so uh, we could technically if you were driving into canada and going to mexico we have another carrier we would use and we would put it as a mobile piece of equipment and though that particular form or document covers it worldwide so I you see. could go around okay. and drive and drive places so 
Uh, right now, we're at the 48 states. I mean, you know, that's better than seven. It's better than zero, which is what was out there two years ago. Right. And I feel bad for Hawaii and Alaska. If they call me like crazy, maybe I'll, I'll add Hawaii. <laughs> maybe if they'll promise you a trip over there to go inspect their Chinese. Right. Exactly. We do our podcast on the beach there. There you exactly. go. Exactly. Hey, I'm for all, all for that. So, okay. Bottom line here. Um, this is, this is, uh, what is the average premiums for a tiny house? Um, what is the high? What is the low? And what are the major contributing factors? So we know, <clears throat> qualify the question a bit here. So we know that you, that you ensure, <clears throat> there I go again, <clears throat> DIY builds as well as, as well as manufacturer builds. Um, but for instance, does a DIY build cost more to insure? What's your average, your high, your low, and your contributing factors? All right. So the do-it-yourselfers have no additional price at this point. Nice. Uh, so there's no no variation. The minimum is, is a $25,000 tiny home, right? If it's less than that, we're, we're having issues. Um, and it's sitting at about $235, $240. Uh, every six months or once a year? We only deal in years. Okay. Okay. Fast that, and, and that's because people on car insurance deal in six months. So we're dealing in a year. We have a finance option, so they put 15% down of the total price, and then the rest over 10 payments. There's some interest associated with that, but it's capped because of personal stuff. And so it adds maybe $15 of interest over the course of the year. Mm. But that gives them the ability of not paying it all up front. Right. Um, so what's the high? Well, the problem is on these tiny homes, the, the value of the tiny homes is just going skyrocket. Yeah. Um, so we're looking at 900 to $1,000 for maybe a $125,000 tiny home. So is, that yeah, number you threw out, the 125000 are you calling that the median price these days or the upper uh, echelon? The median is probably 65 ish or so. Okay. Yeah. But we're getting more and more calls of 90000 125000 Wow. Heirloom's doing a good job. <laughs> <laughs> do you, do you, and so Michelle was telling me at the festival last weekend that, that, uh, some enti- some builders are now being sued for things like rust developing on the trailers, uh, and things like that after the tiny house has been built. Do you guys insure builders too? We, we can, we can insure builders. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. The problem you have is, you, I mean, the number one thing you want to do is you want to get a trailer from a, a from a trailer manufacturer. Mm-hmm. Right, because if you're driving down the highway and all the wheels come off, and I use the worst case, the wheels spin off and the house tips over and it hits the the, the group of boys and girls who are out camping and oh kills people, you want to go after the trailer manufacturer right. who had who's a big company who built a trailer whose wheels come off. You do not want we won't insure any tiny home where somebody's built their own trailer oh, from the ground up. Oh, oh nice. wow, that's interesting. That is. It's not. I mean, what sense. happens if the wheels come off? Nobody right. has any money and people die. Right. I mean, it's, right. It's, it, you know, there's trailer, there's, there's plenty of manufacturers out there who have been in business 30, 40, 50 years who have thousands of models on the road and you can buy a trailer and update it. Um, so we're not keen on somebody who, you know, found some two by fours <laughs> and an axle and put some wheels on the side and then built their tiny home. <laughs> well, that's, actually, that's I was going to say, poor Eris. Nobody loves Eris. But actually, this is a bit of a tangent. I'm if I'm going to ask my co-host here if I can go down this tangent. Um, is that okay? We're all nodding. Yeah, sure. Why not? 
long so, as it's funny. <laughs> so the number one phone. thing they tell you not to do in the tiny house world is to utilize an RV trailer mm. and build a tiny house on it. And so what the hell you think I did with a perch? <laughs> That's like exactly what I did. And everybody says, don't do it. And there's very good reasons not to. Um, I, um, of <clears> course, was, and I went the extended, I added, I had it inspected and safety and all that fun stuff. But for the purposes of insurance, you just said you won't insure vehicles that, that were um, on self-built trailers. However, for instance, my trailer was an RV trailer and now it's a tiny house trailer. Does yeah, that mean, huh? There's a builder who built that trailer yeah. somewhere. Yeah. Okay. So even though it's not being used in the original intent, it's carrying, you know, a different load than it was intended for structurally. Would they yeah. still have liability? That's a good question, uh, it, actually. Yeah, but you know what? In the bottom line, if there's a lawsuit, they have a lot more money than, than you who built your own tiny home. Right. right? And, and that's what you're concerned about. Right. Uh, you know, but the average, you know, out of all the tiny homes we have, 95% of them don't move at all. Oh, interesting. Or only move once a year. Interesting. Right. Yeah. right? I mean, despite the entire movement of being about, about the ability of moving places, most people don't. Now, when I say on, on, on a trailer, if it's on a sled, we're fine, right? Mm -hmm. If you built a sled, because it's not, I mean, it's not like you're going down the highway with the sled. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And, and we don't do boats. We don't do tinies on boats and we don't do schoolies because those mm. are both, one's a marine policy mm. and one's an auto policy. Mm -hmm. We do do container homes. We do, uh, I mean, it depends. I mean, it depends on what you define as a tiny, yeah. uh, you know, isn't that the million dollar question? <laughs> that's, that's, it's kind of a, we don't really do mobile homes. Yeah. Right, so mobile homes um, have their own insurance. So there's companies that specialize in those, uh, and we leave it there. We're not really looking for the mobile home market, but we'll be fine with container homes, micro houses, compact houses, mini houses, little houses, tiny houses, Thanks. houses on sleds, houses on foundations, houses on wheels. Everybody but Eris. <laughs> exactly, Eris is left out in the cold. Poor Eris. Yep. We've, and, and, and that's discrimination, so I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> Martin, it's been wonderful having you on the show. Quite a surprising episode, actually. I didn't think it was going to be this fun. I mean, after all, it is insurance. I know, but it Martin's a fun guy, though. We all know we all love insurance. Yes. <laughs> we, we? Yes. We do. So, listeners, you've heard another uh, interesting episode of the Tiny House Podcast. I just have one word beyond that, and that is Rick. Mick Nerney. Yes. That will Rick. you have the first word Rick. 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 Is it Mick or Rick? Rick McNerney. I, I thought you were Rick. I thought you were being emphatic. No, I said Rick and then she said McNerney. McNerney. Yeah, Rick, thank you for making us sound better than we actually are. Mm -hmm. And I'm sorry about starting the show as loud as I did, Rick. I won't do that anymore. So now he's gonna do it real quiet like that. Maybe you know he might he might take like a foghorn or something like and start putting sound bites over the top of us when we get when we get really ridiculous. Um, I was on the way in today, of course, listening to our episode that aired this morning, and we were actually talking about bleeping and dinging, and of course he put the bleeps and the dings in. So, oh. so uh, yeah, he might actually start retaliating on you here in a while. He's going to put a foghorn over the top of you or something. <laughs> okay, guys, thanks for listening. Uh, tune in next week because, as you know. We have some killer guests like Martin on our show, and it's worth watching, listening. Fabulous. Hashtag go tiny or go home. Speaking of which, bye.
Bye. Contents of coffee is hot. Let it cool down before consuming. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Tiny House Podcast. To find us online, go to tinyhousepodcast.com, where you will also find our show notes, if we remember to put them there. Our logo was designed by the amazing Carolyn Maine. Our website is hosted by the gang at Sightcast. Our theme music is by Oma Studio. Please go to iTunes and give us a five-star rating, or whatever. You tiny house-loving bastard. Tiny House Podcast is probably made in Portland, Oregon.